It is Thursday, August 17th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Week two of the preseason kicks off tonight. And the Ravens get some bad injury news. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Eagles-Browns kick off week two of the preseason tonight. Aaron Rodgers not concerned about the Jets' offensive line. And Marlon Humphrey going to have a foot surgery. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? NFL, as we get closer and closer to kickoff of the regular season, I feel like NFL is going to be the lead just most days unless something There better really, be some big news. Yeah, unless something huge happens in Major League Baseball or, or I guess college NBA. football. That's true. It could be college football. Uh, and we'll have plenty of college football coming up a little later. We have to continue our previews. We went conference by conference. And on uh, today's show, we're going to be doing the group of five. But the NFL is the lead. We have preseason week two kicking off tonight with the Browns and the Eagles. Eagles are favored. Deshaun Watson not going to be playing in this game for the Browns. Yeah, the lines move from three to three and a half in favor of the Eagles. Total is set at 38. Yeah, and we talked to Steve Fezzik yesterday about the magic number on these totals where 37 is the magic number you want to hit the over when these preseason games in week two are at 37 eagles browns a little above that 37 would you lean over or under with this game i think i'd lean to the over i I like what i saw out of dtr uh the first game that he played I, i think that marcus Mariota is an excellent quarterback for this eagle system uh, so I think he's he's, pro- he's probably going to play the first half. I think that's positive things for the offense. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's some offense in this game tonight. Uh, it feels like that's the, the right side anyway. Yeah, I'm with you. And you mentioned Marcus Mariota. I, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to play in this game. Uh, Nick Sirianni didn't say anything about Jalen Hurts last night as to whether or not he'll be available. But after a week of joint practices, I just don't see any reason why starters should be out there. I, I don't think they will be. I, I don't think Jalen Hurts will be out there. Uh, I, like you said, Deshaun Watson won't be out there. It, it doesn't make sense. And if you're the Eagles, it doesn't make sense to put your quarterback out there when they're not putting theirs out there. Apparently, there were some pretty chippy practices. Mm. Uh, the, the Browns were unhappy about the way the Eagles' defense was handling Deshaun Watson. Like maybe they were, <laughs> they were hitting him a little harder than they needed to. Uh, if they're sitting Deshaun out of the game, it feels like, man, you've had some practices all week where you felt like there was cheap shots taken on your quarterback. The Eagles play their quarterback. Mm-hmm. I would imagine yeah, there's a, a cheap idea. shot coming. So I, I think they play it safe. I think both sides play it safe. And, and we see uh, basically competition for third string jobs is what it looks like to me. I would agree with that. Uh, I like the Eagles in this game playing at home. Um, I do like the, you know, the fact that it's the 0 and 1 versus the 1 and 0 or the 1 and 1. I mean, the Hall of Fame game, whatever you want to say about that. But the Eagles being 0 and 1 in the preseason, players might play a little harder here for them tonight. And uh, I, I just think it's it's a battle of backups. Who's got more depth? And looking at this Eagles team, looking at the rookies that we might see tonight, especially on the defensive side of the football, I like the Eagles' depth more than the Browns. I think I do too, and I everything I read about the joint practices were that the Eagles' defense were they were dominating mm. those practices, so they looked the best. And also, when you consider, uh, you know, remember Mariota with Sirianni last year used Gardner Minshew in, in this game, and it, it feels like that like for the whole first half, that would be my expectation here, Mariota to play the first half, which is great. And then when you talk about DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, you're not putting your starting running back out there but you still have really high quality backs. So, and, and really this was a, 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 the Eagles lose that game. We, we, of course the, the Ravens never lose in the preseason. The Eagles lose that game. We looked really good in the sti- in the box score. Statistically, mm-hmm. they did a good job in that game. So uh, my, my lean is to the Eagles. I, I, you know, not, I, it would take a miracle for me to want to actually bet real American dollars on a preseason <laughs> game at this point, because every lean that I have ends up being wrong. But that's that's certainly the way I would look. 
Well, a lot of love for Jalen Hurts in the media, especially from former Eagles coach and current Chiefs coach Andy Reid, who was on Sports Radio 94 WIP in Philadelphia yesterday. Listen to what he had to say about the Eagles quarterback. When you look at Jalen, just coaching against Jalen, do you consider him in that upper echelon tier now of NFL quarterbacks? Yeah, no, he's a good one, boy. I'm I'm happy for Howie and, and the staff there that they've – uh, that they've got him. He, he's a good kid, and he's a he's a heck of a heck of a player. And uh, the Eagles are in in good hands, man. And Philadelphia will have an opportunity to to win every year with uh, uh, you know with him. This is a guy that coaches Patrick Mahomes currently, and high praise for the Eagles quarterback, a quarterback that he saw in the Super Bowl last season. Yeah. I mean, there's no, of course he thinks he's good. He, I mean, he is good. I don't think, that, I don't know of anybody who's saying, eh, still not sold on this Hurts kid. I mean, he's obviously the real deal. But like you said, the guy that coaches Patrick Mahomes week in and week out, if you're impressing him, they, there's there's good reason for it. Well, no one has to sell me on Jalen Hurts. I have him 11 to 1 to yeah. win the MVP this year. Uh, that's my pick. I, I, I picked him second in our quarterback draft. That's how high I am on this kid this year. He's the fourth favorite to be the MVP behind Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. And he's right there, kind of similar odds with Justin Herbert. I really think that hurts the 11 to 1 as a little bit of a disrespectful price. Yeah. I mean, it's 11, like really anybody being inside 10 to 1 uh, is almost disrespectful to Patrick Mahomes, who continues to be far and away the best quarterback in this league. So 11 to one, I think is fair. I, I mean, Herbert is a guy who does statistically, he's going to wow you. I mean, what he's done in his first couple of years in the NFL, it beat what anybody's done in the history of time in their first three mm-hmm. years in the NFL. So uh, that is, is probably why there's love for Herbert. It, for him, it's been all about team success. They haven't had it. And you're not going to win the MVP if you're not having that team success. We all assume the Eagles are going to have team success once again. The Chargers, I, I guess, to be determined. But when you look at Herbert's stat profile, it's it's hard to say that he he doesn't deserve to be in that conversation. So I don't know if it's disrespectful. I, I think Hertz belongs in that conversation, in that tier, whatever that tier is, right behind Patrick Mahomes, and you know maybe, maybe Josh Allen and, and and Joe Burrow haven't done it either. They haven't done everything yet. You know, none of them have a Super Bowl. None, you know, none of them have an MVP. So maybe those those four quarterbacks should all be grouped together. From a potential MVP to a recent to back-to-back MVP, but a four-time MVP in the league in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, just stacking him is right. Rodgers, did you watch the second episode of Hard Knocks? I did. It was a little less uh, Jets porny, but, um, man, they are are featuring Aaron Rodgers heavily, obviously. And I'll be honest, as a guy who's not a a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers, He's coming across good on this show. Like he, he's coming across as a uh, as a, a more of a likable character, and maybe he's just in a better place mentally than he has been the last couple of years. It seems like it, but you're right. I mean, this is a total puff piece on Aaron Rodgers, and it's completely changing his image around the NFL. But what it's also doing is it's getting people excited about the New York Jets. I mean, even during not their- you though, right? You're being totally unbiased. I might just get a tattoo that says Super Bowl champs already like that guy did with the Lions. But, you know, when when you know, it's crazy. I told people side note, I've always said I've gone to Super Bowls before to go to Radio Row and media events to cover, you know, cover the Super Bowl. I've never been to a Super Bowl game. And I said I will not go to a Super Bowl game until the Jets are in the Super Bowl. Oh, boy. And go figure this year where some people think they have a really good chance to do it. The Super Bowl's in our backyard. Let's go. <laughs> well, maybe it's your time. Anywhere. Maybe just, it's your time. I, I just go down the road to Allegiant Stadium. Anyway, well, that's wishful thinking for now. But speaking of the Jets to win the Super Bowl and that hard knocks boost, Patrick Everson, uh, who is a reporter here in Vegas, works for Vegas Insider and Fox Sports. He uh, had an article uh, speaking with Johnny Avello, who's the sportsbook director and operations manager at DraftKings, about the hard knocks impact on the New York Jets. So the Jets, we know the boost that they got from Aaron Rodgers to in their odds, even before they signed Aaron Rodgers, just with the rumors that they were going to sign Aaron Rodgers, we saw their odds shoot up 
to win the Super Bowl because people were betting them. But Avello said that the Jets were already a popular team within DraftKings just because of the New York proximity, right? Like DraftKings is huge in New York and especially New Jersey. So you're going to get Jets fans that are betting on the Jets. But with hard knocks, they're even seeing increased action on the New York Jets. Here's a quote from Johnny Avello. We've definitely seen a spike in that 24-hour window, meaning right after episode one of Hard Knocks aired. No team took more action. The show has pushed people to bet the Jets. Think about that. I say this all the time. Like I can't imagine betting on a Hard Knocks team to win the Super Bowl post-Hard Knocks because I feel like the value is always sucked out of them. Even like early season, yeah. I don't want to back the Hard Knocks team. I guess long-term, the, the statistics don't back that up. But just my, my feel is there is more positive feeling on the Jets right now than there's, there's been probably in my whole life. Uh, and that's for a team that consistently comes up short, as you well know, like, Having this like this unabashed love is it almost it scares me away from it. So here's what we have right now. The Jets are tied with the Bengals for the most money to win the Super Bowl at DraftKings. They are tied for the fourth most ticket counts for the Super Bowl for DraftKings. Uh, 79% of the handle of the Jets win total is on the over nine and a half. It's about the same total on the prop bet on the Jets to make the playoffs on the yes. And the Jets in AFC championship odds, forget about the Super Bowl, third in ticket count behind the Chiefs and the Bengals, but number two in the money count behind the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, a lot of love, a lot of love for a team that, what what they remind me uh where they uh where they finished in the standings last year what what they do in the playoffs yeah they did not make the playoffs only seven oh, wins last year seven wins seven wins though and they're with, they're in the same conversation some of the conversation worst, of the the worst in the Bengals play we've ever seen though so come on that's you got to be well, fair about that you've got to also be fair that Aaron Rodgers wasn't even a top half of the league quarterback last season that that is true so that I I'm, and I'm not saying he's not an upgrade he's certainly an upgrade you, like you could you would be an upgrade over what they got at quarterback last year. But to act like this is Patrick Mahomes joining the Jets, which is what everyone's seeming to make it feel like, is that Patrick Mahomes just signed on with the Jets, like the best quarterback in the world. We don't know what level Aaron Rodgers is at today. And seeing him throw balls at practice is awesome. Seeing Mm -hmm. him throw the ball across his body in in seven-on-sevens looks really cool. We don't know what he is when bullets are flying in a regular season NFL game. Because the last uh, time we saw him, he was mediocre. He threw an incredible pass to Garrett Wilson at practice yesterday. <laughs> practice, uh, practice, and practice. Since Hard Knocks started in 2001, there's been 19 teams on Hard Knocks. Only six teams posted double-digit wins. Only seven teams of the 19 from Hard Knocks made the postseason the most successful run from a hard knocks team, the New York Jets in 2010 when they went to the AFC championship game. There you go. Well, it's, it's got to be true. I mean, it's got to be the green helmets. That, that must be uh, what's keeping them in this thing. Well, in order for them to be successful, the offensive line has to play well to protect Aaron Rodgers. And that was the talk of the past couple of days uh, with the New York Jets is the offensive line and Aaron Rodgers' concern level with the offensive line play. Here's what Rodgers said in his press conference yesterday. Like there's a lot of pressure today up front. How do you feel about where where things are at right now? Pressure? Yeah. Oh, I thought we played a lot better up front today. Yeah. Um. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. What's your question? Where the line is at right now. Well, we're still missing Dwayne, obviously. Lakin didn't practice today. Um, we had Joe at, uh, doing some center stuff yesterday. Uh, so it's a work in progress. You know, I think uh, I feel like it was Rich maybe asked a question about the continuity of the guys playing together. Um, and I was thinking maybe we'd start to figure some stuff out. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. There's jobs up for grabs. So that's the beauty in camp but also the struggle is um in talking with uh you know a couple of guys we just need some continuity 
I think uh, at some point so guys can feel comfortable playing together. Maybe that's the end of next week. Maybe it's the, the week that we have in between the season uh, and the last preseason game, but uh, jobs are up for grabs. So Aaron Rodgers mentions Dwayne Brown. They're still waiting on him. What's the status of Makai Becton? This is a guy who was a first-round pick, not getting first-team reps with with the uh, it, it practices. What's happened to him? What's his status with the Jets at this point? Well, apparently he's taking some big steps forward. And you saw in Hard Knocks when he went over to Rodgers on the sideline during the preseason game, and yeah, Rodgers was huggy. like, "He got all huggy." And Rodgers said, "You know, hey, let, let's let's grab lunch this week." Hey, just just sit next to somebody different at lunch. Get to know your teammates. Uh, <laughs> but Rogers, he said, "Hey, let's get let's get lunch this week." So it seems like he's trying to uh, develop a relationship with him. And according to Robert Sala, like he's he's playing right tackle. Like he's he's getting reps. And Dwayne Brown, the, the left tackle, hasn't been you know practicing in camp. So they haven't moved Becton to the left tackle. They've been giving him the reps at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, what's where does he play in the regular season? What, is he like, presumed like a swing tackle when the Jets are healthy? I, 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 I guess he's the backup left tackle right now, but I think uh, playing right tackle is the best path or the path for him to actually start if he was going to be a starter. Yeah. So just, it, it feels more and more like everything I'm hearing, it's like, Mikai Becton's just not a starter, is what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, but I think, you know, having him work at right tackle, I think, is the right plan because he's not going to start over Dwayne Brown. And so if he can work his way up and beat out the other guys, then he'll be the starting right tackle. It's just weird to hear, like, oh, we, we, we're having the Jets are having these problems at, at offensive line when they drafted that guy in the first round and just yeah. there's been nothing from him, which, you know, but no one, like, no one talks about him like he's a bust. So no. it seems like, you know, well, if he's not a bust, then he should be playing. Like, yeah, he's well, just he's he's still growing. Okay, he's, he's still learning. Well, he's, he's a big guy already, so <laughs> that'll be something. That'll be something to see. Elsewhere around the NFL, the saga in Indy continues. Jonathan Taylor uh, was back with the Colts, but is now away from the Colts once again. Uh, he, the team, or I should say, released a statement saying that Taylor left camp to attend a personal matter. And he had permission from the club. And according to sources, uh, that's what ESPN is reporting. It is not related to his contract status. So yeah, this is supposedly not related. A, this is supposedly an excused absence. Um, you know, personal issue just seems mighty convenient that the guy who really, really, really doesn't want to be at camp has some personal issue come up during training camp. I'm not trying to, you know, connect dots here, but. It just feels a little weird because Jonathan Taylor, because he's on his first contract, falls into the category of guys they can't find for missing mm -hmm. uh, the yeah. preseason. Uh, so it's not like we, we've talked before. Uh, and who's the guy? I, uh, the guy from from Dallas, the the guard that just signed. I don't Zach know why Martin. His, Zach Martin, the best guard in the league. I don't know why his name's blanking on me. Uh, but he was at, he had to pay his fines because he was beyond his first contract. He he held out. They were fining him every day. Like, it's not the kind of fine that the NFL anymore, that the teams can say, hey, we'll waive that. We'll take care of that. That's not how it works. So it's Jonathan Taylor, though, because he's on his first deal, there's no penalty for him holding out. So if he wanted to hold out, he could just say, I'm holding out. Mm -hmm. It does It does feel weird that Jonathan Taylor is not there right now. Yeah, uh, he came back to the team on Monday. He was away from them, getting treatment on his injury off-site for the lingering ankle injury. Uh, but the Colts said that he would be back this week and he was back this week, but now he is not with the team for an excused absence. We'll keep monitoring the situation there. Uh, he is still on the physically unable to perform list. Speaking of physically unable to perform AJ injuries galore around the NFL. So let's just run through some of them quickly. And I know there's a big one that you want to get into. But first, we have in Tampa, Russell Gage, done yeah. for the season. The wide receiver got hurt in the joint practice with the New York Jets. He was carted off, and his season is done. Uh, elsewhere, speaking of being carted off, Traylon Burks, wide receiver for the Titans, carted off with an apparent leg injury. No word yet on the severity of that injury yeah, that's, for Traylon Burks. 
that's a couple injuries to wide receivers on offenses that really need all the help they can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Titans and the Bucks. I don't expect much from either of those teams offensively. So to for 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 them to both lose one of their their key guys uh, at wide receiver is just a, a nightmare for two teams that are already struggling. Yep, and on D on the defensive side of the ball, and this is a big injury. The Ravens lose Marlon Humphrey to foot surgery. He's out indefinitely. No word on when he's going to be back. They've also been without Rocky Yassin, their other starting cornerback, yeah. and he's been done with a knee injury, although that one's not considered to be significant. Well, uh, John Harbaugh said that it wasn't a long-term deal for for uh, for Humphrey, but it's a surgery, so who knows how long it is, but they said it's something he's been dealing with for some time. Uh, but they've already been like they've got some of their depth at quarter at cornerback has been sitting out. Demarion Williams has been sitting out. Uh, Jalen Armor Armor Davis has been sitting out already. So they're without those guys. They lost Trayvon Mullen uh, before camp even started. So they they've been struggling at that position. And now without Humphrey, who knows what the secondary is going to look like going into Week One? Uh, if if you believe Harbaugh, maybe Rocky Sin is going to be back. You know, I, I mean, it's, I'm assuming even when he says it's not a long term thing for Marlon Humphrey, I, there, there's no chance he's back for week one. So he said there's a plenty of short term concern. We've got to look at that. And it starts with the guy you, guys you have. We have guys who are ready to play and we'll see what they can do. And of course, we're always looking for players, too. So uh, if there's any free agent cornerback sitting around on the couch, you might want to start doing some push ups or something. Get ready. Now, the benefit that we have now and all football teams have now, I know we always get uh, panicky when we talk about injuries and when we talk about surgery, and especially when you hear out for several weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, what was it in uh, in Miami? We had the injury to Jalen Ramsey, and it's like, oh, six weeks or however long. But you talk about where we are in the calendar. It's August 17th. The, the regular season doesn't start until September 7th is that Thursday. That's the first game yep. of the season. But the rest of the league, besides the Chiefs and the Lions, will start on September 10th, that Sunday. So that's still one, two, three, three full, almost four weeks away. If a guy's going to be out six weeks, we're talking about maybe only missing one game? Maybe uh, two? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Uh, but... Listen, but you can't expect these guys to just show up after missing six weeks, get on the field, and seem like nothing's ever been missed. Like it, it, there's a buildup, and that's why they yeah, do this course, preseason. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and all these guys are they're missing out on that. Well, uh, any feeling on the Ravens and their 24 game winning streak in the preseason? They play Monday night on the road at the Commanders. They're three point favorites. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not going to fade them. Uh, I don't think I'll bet them. I think they're they're probably just overvalued week by week after week at this point uh, in the preseason. But as far as the regular season goes, they they their first three matchups, two of them are against rookie quarterbacks: C.J. Stroud week one and the Texans, mm. Anthony Richardson week two with the Colts, or excuse me, week three. Week two though is Joe Burrow. Assuming mm. Joe Burrow is is healthy enough to play. Boy, uh, that secondary sitting that ragtag group out there, that would be a tough, a tough, tough task against yeah, Joe but Burrow. You said the key word, assuming Joe Burrow's healthy enough to play. I mean, there's a chance that Burrow's not ready for week one. Maybe he's not a hundred percent in week two either. You know, we when we did all and the, the Ravens team, benefit from the three weeks of CJ Stroud, Trevor Simeon, yeah. <laughs> or 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 a less than one hundred percent Joe Burrow, and then Anthony Richardson. When we did the exercise on the Dream Pod this week, and we said, "Which line do you think is going to be is going to change the most by the time it, it gets to it?" and I thought yours was fantastic. I ended up settling on a uh, a Colts game where they're plus they're minus one hosting Tampa, which doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but one of the games that I looked at, which would have sort of been gaming the system, I guess, a little bit, was Week Two, uh, and I, I feel like the Ravens being three-point dogs to the Bengals, if by the time week two rolls around, if Joe Burrow's not playing, what's that line switch to? The, Ra- the Ravens are favored in that game. Yeah, probably, yep. Mm-hmm. So, and I said, well, it's a good possibility that Joe Burrow, if he, if he misses week one, there's a real good possibility he doesn't play week two. So it felt like that was a chance. It, it, so maybe it's something to look at if you're into playing these game-of-the-year lines or you, the look-ahead lines. 
uh, looking at week two of the NFL season, if you think Joe Burrow is not going to be ready to go, you probably get some good value on the Ravens because people are looking at the Ravens right now going, oh, they're banged up. It's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Forgetting that Joe Burrow may be in a uh, similar situation. And just to remind folks of my pick, it was week four Eagles minus seven hosting the crazy Washington number. Commanders. That's a crazy number. Yeah, I, I don't understand. That. Like, And who was the other team? Was it the Vikings that you uh, they had the same exact number against? Yeah, yeah. week two. It's, it's absurd. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness, and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try. If you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this, it's all online, it's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. As we continue our conference-by-conference breakdown, counting down the days until kickoff, of the college football season, week zero will be here before we know it. Notre Dame. It's, by the way, kick- if you're counting down days, it's less than 10 now. Down yeah. that we're here to today. Because next Saturday, the 26th, is the first game in Dublin, Ireland. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, will be on display there. And they are pretty heavy favorites over Navy right now. What is it, 20 and a half, AJ? So, yeah. Yeah, 20 and a half Notre Dame over Navy. Total 50 and a half, the game being played in Dublin, Ireland, but we've been doing conference by conference breakdowns. And with our final week before we actually have a a, a week of games that we're going to preview the week zero games next week, we're going to have our final conference preview, but it's not one conference. It's the group of five. So we're talking about uh, ACs. We're talking about uh, AAC American athletic conference. We're talking about conference USA. We're talking about the Mountain West. We're talking about the Sun Belt, right? And what am I missing here? Uh, we're, you're talking about the Mac. Mac. Yeah. Oh, the Mac. Mac, maybe, of yeah. course. So there's your group of five. And when you look at what the group of five has, there are quality teams that are getting higher and higher in the rankings. And we saw recent history not saying it's going to happen this year. We saw a group of five school get into the college football playoffs in in Cincinnati. And with an expanded playoff field on the horizon, the opportunity for the group of five schools to get into that playoffs is increasing. Now, we don't know what the landscape of college football is going to look like next year with new conferences, merging conferences. There might not be a group of five, but the schools that we're talking about, the better schools, 
You know who they are. You're going to hear their names. You're going to see them. Right now, if you look at the AP Top 25, there is one group of five school that is ranked right now, and that is Tulane at number 24. Yeah, Tulane, who came off that win against USC uh, last year and a big upset. Now, she's probably the biggest win in program history for Tulane. Uh, it's going to be they're going to be in the conversation again for, for best G5 team. They lost a and lot. And keep in so mind that the best group of five team, highest ranked G5 team, is the, we call them the group of five champion, and they are in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Yeah, and, and that's what Tulane's aiming to do again. They're going to, they've a lot of overhaul with that Tulane roster uh, and coaching staff, but they, they're going to be right there in the mix again. So, uh, but I think there's some interesting teams to look at. And, you know, we, we went through each, didn't go through each conference. We just, we both took a winner from a conference. We took a dark horse champion from a conference. Uh, we took a win total over from the, the G5 ranks and a win total under from the G5 ranks. As well so as, and I, and I selected a G5 champion. So Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I, I thought about it and I tried and I, I just don't feel good recommending anyone. And I also couldn't find a place to bet who would be the G5 candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got a couple teams that I'll mention at the end who I, I think have the best chance of being there. Uh, you want to you want to take the lead with your yeah. uh, your, I mean, your, just, your G five conference winner? Yeah, and it's literally my G five conference winner is my G five champion, and it's Tulane to do what they did last year. Uh, they're plus two ten to win the American Athletic Conference, and when you look, the, the key here is the conference stinks. All right, they have been a victim of the shifting landscape of college football, right? We've seen teams bounce for the Big 12, and now the American Athletic Conference is left with a bunch of nobodies. Now, UTSA is not a slouch. I get it. They can they can play, you know, Memphis. Some Memphis at home is always a challenge. No one, you know, Navy with the triple options annoying to play against. This this the conference just overall is just not good. And so when you look at Tulane, favored in every game except the game against Ole Miss, right? this season that's their non-conference game they play against Ole Miss Willie Fritz one of the top coaches in the country they have four starters back on the offensive line an offensive line that dominated last year we know how good Tajay Spears was last year I know he's not there anymore but they still have two really good running backs including Shedra Lewis who transferred in from Liberty and he's going to be their lead running back behind this veteran offensive line I just look at the schedule. I look at the, the opponents that they're going to be going up against, and I think eleven and one is a very real possibility. Losing that Ole Miss game, ten and two should be what they finish with at worst. If they lose a game, maybe two, maybe at Memphis or the last game of the season against UTSA. And you think ten and two gets them into that uh, into that New Year's Six Bowl? Yeah, I just don't see a Group of Five team out there right now that is going to be ranked higher than them. I mean, if you're looking at some of the teams that are receiving votes right now, UTSA is the next highest team. So maybe that last game at the end of the season when UTSA is home against Tulane, maybe that could be like the the, the winner of that game has a leg up in the uh, in the race for a group of five, you know, the, the New Year's Six Bowl game. But at that point, like, what's UTSA's record? Like, are they, you know, they have to play at Tennessee. They're going to lose that game. They have to play at Houston. Week Well, Houston's not going to be good. But at Tennessee, they got to play week uh, in the middle of the season. So maybe they're a one-loss team. Maybe we have two one-loss teams going at it in the final game of the regular season in the American Athletic Conference with a chance to have a leg up there and and maybe a rematch in the championship game. <laughs> and then what you're looking at is who's going to represent the group of five in a New Year's Six game. Well, I'm hoping that that's not the case because my a group of five winner is also from the American, but it's not one of the two teams you mentioned. I'm looking at SMU, and you can get them at plus 330 right now. And here's the deal. SMU, you talked about UTSA. You talked about Tulane. Their schedule really lined up well. They don't play either of those teams. Like Somehow they avoided the top two teams in the conference. But they're going to lose two. They're going to lose two games. They're going to lose to Oklahoma and TCU. I, I, first of all, I don't know that they're going to lose to TCU. Mm. I think they will lose to Oklahoma. Ooh. And I'm just talking about them winning. I'm, I'm just talking about them winning the American. So I okay, don't really not, care what not, they do. Okay, so not non-conference. Being the, this yeah. is not. This is not them being uh, the Group of Five champion. No. New Year's Six. This is okay, just for the okay, American okay, Conference. Okay, and okay, and okay. here's why: because they don't play UTSA and Tulane, 
Their toughest game is at Memphis, who I actually think they're better than. It's hard for me to imagine them not getting to the AAC title game. So if you get there and you've got a plus 330 ticket in your pocket and they're playing against Tulane or UTSA, there's a good chance for you to hedge out of that ticket at that point. But SMU, just to get to the team a little bit, they lost their quarterback in Tanner Mordecai. I think it's the best thing that could have happened to him because Preston Stone looks like the real deal. He's 6'4". He has got all the tools. He's a, a, a four-star recruit, a uh, big-time high school football kid in Texas, and we saw some flashes of it against Tulsa last season. I think he's just a great fit for this offense in Dallas. Offensive line is strong. They brought in high-quality transfers from Texas, Missouri, Notre Dame, Miami. You're bringing in transfers from those schools. You know that's high-quality players. And then defensively, I think they're going to be improved. They, they brought in some transfers there, too, and they kept the best of what they had last season. Already had a solid safety duo. They added transfers from West Virginia and Liberty that should be an instant upgraded corner. They brought in two defensive linemen from Miami, and they snagged arguably Liberty's best defensive player uh, in outside linebacker, Ahmad Walker. So I think they did a great job in the transfer portal. Uh, and like I said, their schedule just lines up really well for them to at least make it to that championship game in the American Conference. And if they get there, you can do with that ticket what you will at that time. But plus 330 for them to win the American uh, on a team that I think is really on the rise, I, I think there's good value in SMU. It's a great call because there is no divisions this year, as I mentioned, in the American. It's the final year of a single division conference, and uh, they don't play the top two teams. So the top two teams play each other the final week of the season. So let's say let's all say you got to do is get there. Exactly. Let's say Tulane and UTSA go undefeated. They're 7-0 and in conference. That eighth conference game is the last game of the regular season, and the winner of that game is going to the championship game. The loser is not. And then if SMU's undefeated in conference, bang, there you go. And you have a plus, what is it, plus 330 ticket? Plus 330. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's not a bad thought. Um, you mentioned my over team in, in a couple of transfers going away, which uh, is not good for my over, but why not? Liberty. Over nine at minus 115. And by now, if you've been listening to my previews, you know I love flat numbers because you always have the push protection. Uh, the thing here is Liberty is scheduled right now. And Liberty is now in Conference USA. It is the easiest schedule in the country. That's not me just saying that. That's according to like all the independent media yeah. reports that do power rankings on schedule. It's the easiest schedule in the country. They play zero power five schools. Let me read you down the schedule just so you can get a feel for it. Bowling Green, New Mexico State, at Buffalo, at Florida International, Sam Houston State, at Jacksonville State, Mid-Tennessee, at Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, Old Dominion, UMass, and at UTEP. I'm supposed to find four losses on this schedule to not get this push. It's it would be very difficult to find four losses on this schedule. So I I think this is a great win total. Oh, and um, Jamie Chadwell comes in that, that as a, the new head coach. Yeah, Hugh Freeze is gone. He's at Auburn now. So Jamie Chadwell comes in from Coastal Carolina. Like he's going to run a similar offense that he ran with Grayson McCall, where they were just putting up a ton of points. And, and Liberty has the talent to run the offense, so they're going to be a high-scoring team. Well, we'll see if they can stop anybody, but they're going to be a high-scoring team. You're telling me eight? You're telling me this is an eight and four team? How is this over not juiced? Yeah, I mean, I think the the only issue is they lost a bunch of players, but I do think yes. the the schedule is just so dreadful. Like I, I want to say, eight of those teams you mentioned, maybe not, are outside like the top one hundred in my power ratings. So it's a, it's a really incredibly weak schedule. I, I, I think for them, like their whole season comes down to, and, and that's why, you know, as far as being the G5 rep, they may have a hard time getting there unless they run the table because people are going to look at that schedule. Oh, and go, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not going to be ranked high. The schedule, but, yeah, they're not going to be ranked high at all. But the, the one real team that they play on their schedule, the one team that's on their level is Western Kentucky. Uh, so I, I think a lot for their season comes down to that. But as far as the win total, I, I'm with you. I, and I, I guess I hadn't really de dove very deep into this Liberty team uh, in, into their win total. I, I clearly should maybe take another look at it uh, because this, this schedule is is really incredible. Now that you you read off those teams, I, I, I don't I don't see how they don't win at least nine games. Yeah, and and if the nine is a push, you know, ten and two you win, nine and three is a push, eight and four. And I think everyone should just be fired.
I think you're right. Although, I mean, Jimmy Chadwell's first year there is not going to be fired. But <laughs> it's, again, looking at this schedule, I, I mean, this is, it, it's kind of mind-boggling. Bowling Green, New Mexico State, Buffalo, Florida International, uh, Middle Tennessee, Old Dominion, UMass. These are all teams outside the top 100. Uh, in not just like in my power ratings, it, it, I think like unanimously in everybody who does college power ratings, uh, there, there's not much love for any of those teams. So this is a, a very, very manageable schedule. And I don't even know if I said Old Dominion when I was going through those. So mm-hmm. it's a, this, is a, um, this is a schedule that should be a 10-win schedule. Uh, and if they, if they win less than 10, you're disappointed. But like you said, if they win eight, I, I mean, it, our, our, our pets' heads are falling off. Like, that's, what it would, that's what it would have to be. Uh, what's your over? Uh, my over is uh, for UConn, who's technically not a group of five team. They're an independent. I'll, I'll allow it. Thank you. Uh, but their their number is five, and it's minus one ten. And I'm pretty bullish on UConn this year. I really love. I, I, I loved it, and we talked about this on our college football pod last year. Jim Mora at this level of college football is way better of a coach than any uh, any any teams at this level are going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but UConn returns four-fifths of their offensive line. That's huge for a team that wants to run the ball as much as UConn does. Last year, they, they had, their starting quarterback was Penn State transfer, Taquan Robertson. They lost him on the second drive of the season for the entire year. They still went 6-6 six and six that year. And they've actually got some solid depth behind them as well. So defensively, they're solid, especially against the run. Excellent linebackers. Secondary should improve organically with the pass rushers they brought in through the portal. Uh, like I said, I think Jim Mora, from an X's and O's standpoint and a recruiting standpoint, is going to keep UConn competitive as long as he's around. The schedule is manageable. They play four power five games. One of them is against Boston College, who they beat last year, and I, I have them power rated ahead of this year. Uh, and there's some real gimme games. Florida International, Utah State, South Florida, Sacred Heart, UMass. If they win those five games, you're talking about we just need a win against Georgia State, Rice, or James Madison to have them go bowling again. And the fact that they could come up short of that and still push this bet, I love the win total over five on the UConn Huskies. What do you think of them? Uh, I like it. I also think that they are uh, they might be playing with a little chip on their shoulder because um, the Big 12 was talking about expansion. And yeah. the Big 12 was thinking about adding Gonzaga and UConn, obviously for their basketball programs, right? <laughs> and, but it's and, weird because Gonzaga doesn't have a football team, so that would have been a weird addition. And apparently, yeah. these talks fell apart when they added the, the other teams from the yes. Pac-12. But yes, it would have it would have been a really odd choice to bring in a team with no football program. And I think that's part of the thing. Like uh, Brett Yormark, who's the you know the commissioner there, was talking about how basketball is undervalued in all yep. of these conference expansion things. But for you know a school like UConn that doesn't really have a, a home, right? They don't have a, a conference. They don't get the share of money from a conference. They just you know accept money to play teams. Um, they they might feel slighted, and Mora might be out to prove something that this program can actually be a valued member to a conference. It's not going to be the big 12, but for another conference out there that's getting decimated by all this realignment, maybe UConn does find itself in a, in a football conference. I don't disagree with you, but I also think there's something to remember when it comes to this UConn, when they chose to play in the big East basketball conference Mm -hmm. and, and left the American conference, they chose, they, they said, you know what? We can be as viable of a football program financially as an independent than we could be in the American conference and we'll be way bigger of a basketball product with, with the big East than we would have been with the American. So I, I don't know that UConn is like saying, Hey, we deserve like UConn made this bed because they wanted to play big East basketball. Mm-hmm. That's why they're in an independent now moving to the, you know, to the big 12 would have certainly been a, a different conversation. Uh, but I, I think that UConn is like the football team is happy where they are as an independent. I mean, I'm sure if, if they could get a big pile of money, they wouldn't say no to it. Uh, but I, I think they're happy being a big East basketball school and then letting football kind of run the schedule this way. Like where you said, everybody pays them to show up and play, man, bring back big East football. Bring <laughs> it, it was back. so bad. It was bring so it bad. Back. We don't need it. Syracuse, Louisville. Well, Louisville all the time. Yeah. West Virginia, Rutgers, 
Ugh. Come on. The Orange Bowl was on the line every year. It was, it was yeah. great. Miami was like, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were the ones that started it. Miami yeah. leaving was the first domino to fall there in, in the Big East, uh, uh, you know, dismantling. All right. Let's take a look at, uh, before we get to our win totals under, let's take a look at the dark horses that we chose. Someone who, what do we say, outside five to one? Yeah, five to uh, one or greater. Mm -hmm. to, to win their conference championship. Uh, I went with a very dark horse. I'm guessing yours is a, is a more gray than mine. Mine's almost black. So uh, I'll, I'll let you get the first stab at this thing. All right. Uh, seven to one is the payout. Oh, here yeah. Mine's way darker. All right. Seven to one for San Diego State to win the Mountain West. And I, I looked at what happened to them last year. And when they switched Jalen Maiden to quarterback, the guy was playing. He was, he was in the secondary. When they changed him to quarterback, the team seemed to figure things out. And now he goes into a full season as the starting quarterback, as the guy who's going to run this offense. So we're talking about a full off season. We're talking about a full training camp. Like he is the quarterback here. The schedule opens up after, you know, they have tough conference games, Boise State and Air Force, but they could have eight wins going into the last game of the season against Fresno State. Like you, you look at their opponents and it, it, it's, it's not a, I'm not saying it's a cakewalk of a schedule, but it's not exactly a murderer's row. Like it does open up and get a little easier for them there in the Mountain West. And I'm not asking them to go undefeated. I'm not asking them to be the number one seed. I'm just asking them to have the second best record in the conference and, and get to the championship game. And at seven to one, like you talked about with uh, your SMU, I mean, you hedge off of it, you make money off of it. And, and you might be able to even do that before the last game of the season at Fresno State, like if you're holding a seven to one ticket on San Diego State to win the Mountain West and they need to win against Fresno State to get into that championship game. I mean, there's a way that you can bet that Fresno State game and make money and 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 kind of have that ticket in your hand, like bet both games like there might be a way to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to Steve Fezzik if it gets to that point and figure out how to how to, how to make money off of that. But running down the schedule, home to Ohio, home to Idaho State, home to UCLA, we'll give them a loss there. At Oregon State, we'll give them a loss there. But guess what? Those are out of conference. We don't care. I said they have the tough opener, Boise State. At Air Force, at Hawaii, Nevada, Utah State, at Colorado State, at San Jose State, final game of the year, at Snapdragon, at home against Fresno State. Uh, I, I legitimately think that this team could be 9-3. and three at the end of the year with a berth in the, in the Mountain West Championship game. Yeah, my concern with them is big concern on the offensive line. Uh, the defense wasn't as dominant as it's been in, in the past last year. Uh, I, I don't hate it because you're right. If you, if you think that the change that got made at quarterback in the middle of last season when, when Jalen Maiden took over, like if you think that that is a, you know, and by the way, Jalen Maiden, a former Mississippi State recruit, like mm -hmm. he was, uh, he was at one point a big time recruit, uh, but he's sloppy with the ball. He turns the ball over quite a bit, but he can run. Like he's got some, there's some really positive things about this kid. If you think that that translates to a full season, I totally understand where this is coming from. So I, I, I'm not going to knock your pick here. Although I did, I, in a way I did with my dark horse pick, who's also from the mountain West conference. And th this is, a, listen, I, I'll be shocked if this pays out but it's a dark horse. I think there's a possibility. Wyoming plus 1,200. Uh, and Wyoming surprised everybody last year. People thought they were going to just garbage. And they were not only good defensively, they were elite defensively. And if their defense continues to play at that level, it doesn't really matter what they get from offense. They're going to be in the mix. Like all you need is just a slight upgrade offensively. The passing game is bad. The running game's solid, but the Mountain West seems to be the one conference where you can get away with having a bad offense if your D is elite. Mm -hmm. Andrew Peasley's the starting quarterback, more than likely. He's a solid veteran, but his upside is basically that of a solid veteran. Jaden Clemens is intriguing. He's the guy I'd really like to see if, if I'm going to cash this ticket. He's a real threat with his legs. He's a dynamic playmaker. I'd like to see them give him a shot. But in this conference, I've seen San Diego State win this with this recipe before. Multiple times they've won this conference playing god-awful offense and counting on their defense to shut things down. Uh, we saw San Jose State do it a couple years ago. Bad offense, didn't matter. Their defense was elite. They shut it down. 
schedule's tough, but at 12 to one, I think they're in the mix if we can just get something out of the offense, which again is, is a long shot, certainly. But that defense is good enough. That coaching staff is good enough that I want to back them. Well, listen, we ask for long shots, and that's a long shot. So <laughs> I'm sure people will enjoy that one. Um, all right, let's go to our unders here. You want to start with your first under? Yeah, I'll go. I'm going to go. This is bullying, maybe. I'm going to pick on UAB. <laughs> uh, under five uh, in the American Conference. UAB's in really bad shape. They're returning six starters. And one of them isn't Dwayne McBride Jr., who's now a Minnesota Viking. He was the the offense last year. He was the man. Uh, and they, they're, they're going to be, well, him and Dylan Hopkins, who transferred. So now it's Jacob Zeno without Dwayne McBride behind him. And I, I think the biggest mistake they could have possibly made, they went the Jeff Saturday route. They brought in Trent Dilfer from ESPN and high school coaching, like 2A ball in Tennessee. And they said, you know what? You're the head coach now. And they're in a season where UAB moved up a level, like for, in moving up to the American Conference is a little a higher level of difficulty from what they were at. Uh, a lot, I mentioned they lost their quarterback. They, they, they lost their top wide receiver in Trey Sharpshire, replaced all five guys on the offensive line. And normally when you get a guy like this, he's going to say, okay, I've never coached at this level. I'm going to surround myself with the best and the brightest minds. No. Uh, he's got 10 assistant coaches. Seven of them have never coached at the current level that they're at now. He brought his high school defensive coordinator <laughs> to be the defensive coordinator at UAB. Their best defensive player from last year, Jalen Key, he's gone to Alabama. This, is, this thing has just fallen apart, and the schedule is tough, too. They somehow missed Charlotte, Rice, and Tulsa, who are the three worst teams in the conference per the odds, although I think Rice is better than UAB, but the three longest shots to win the league. UAB doesn't get to play any of them. They go to Georgia in week four, which is not only a sure loss, obviously, but like I could see their team getting injured, like banged up in that game in week four. So now you, you just got your ass kicked, and now you've got to start conference play. UAB has been one of the best stories in college football over the last several years. I, I think Trent Dilfer's about to, he's about to drag them into a pretty dark age. I, I don't see where the wins come from especially like being bowl eligible with this it would blow my mind. And I'll, I'll just have to eat my hat and I'll have to say, you know what, Trent Dilfer, I apologize. You are the man because Trent Dilfer has no business getting this roster to a bowl game in season one. I, I just can't picture it. But they have new uniforms, AJ. Awesome. New yeah, that'll look really good with blood all over them in that Georgia game. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad. Uh, this is interesting. I'm staying in the same conference, and at my under is North Texas under six and a half. Uh, now, North Texas plays UAB the final game of the regular season, so um, someone's got to go. Someone's got to lose. Hey, can we tie? Uh, someone's got to lose that game. <laughs> and no, you can't. It was keep playing overtimes. Um, so this is the situation. We know the American Athletic Conference is a step up from for North Texas. And it's not Conference USA. It's it's a lot better. There's a new coaching staff in place here. The quarterback's gone. The two top receivers are gone. The schedule's not nice to them. They open up against an improved Cal team. And then three of their next four games are on the road. Uh, at Navy, at Tulane, at SMU, UTSA. These are all losses. They're probably going to lose to Memphis as well. Yeah, they and, caught every good team in, in the American schedule. Yeah, I mean, this is... I don't know. I the the number's juiced. It's six and a half under minus one forty. This is a four win football team. Like literally, like find me find me five wins, let alone six wins. Okay. You beat Abilene Christian. You beat FIU. You beat Louisiana Tech. There's your three wins. You beat Temple for four wins. You beat Tulsa for five wins. Maybe UAB gives you the sixth win. They this team is not winning seven games. I don't even know if they win six games. Yeah. I mean this is not this is not Austin Ani and 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 the powerhouse offense of the Mean Green. No, this is a no. completely new system, completely new players, completely new conference, complete new schedule. I don't think they make the adjustment. Austin Ani, I guess, decided at age forty-five to like move out time, of the dorm. Time to retire. Time, yeah. time to be an adult. I uh, still had eligibility somehow, uh, but 
no, I, I'm with you. This was another another under that I looked at. So I, I fully endorse this. This North Texas team is is taking a big step back this year. Uh, so I, I do think your underplay is very strong here, even though it, it is it, that last game is going to butt up against mine. Hopefully yeah. we're both we're both safely in the clubhouse by then. Yeah, and just rooting for an under in that game with nobody scoring, and it's just being a terrible, terrible football game. That's what I'm hoping for. That's our final conference preview. Uh, If you want to go back to our last episodes, every Thursday for the past six weeks, we've been doing our conference previews. So if you're on the podcast feed, just look for the Thursday episodes. We do our conference-by-conference preview as we work our way to week zero. Next week, we're here. So next week, we're actually going to be previewing week zero football games. I mentioned the Notre Dame Navy game. That's on Saturday, the 26th. We also have San Jose State and USC that day as well. So two games to preview next week on this uh, when we on, on, the, on our college football segments when we get ready. And, and I guess next week, with it being the final week before the start of the regular season, we can give out our Heisman plays and our, 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 our championship futures as well. Sounds good, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for college football season, obviously. Well, things get from bad to worse in New York as the Yankees lose again to the Braves. Everyone loses to the Braves, but the Yankees lose again, and they are now under 500 for the first time since this late in the year, since 1995. So it's the latest that the Yankees, AJ, have been under 500 since 1995. I'm telling you, I'm putting it out there now. They're going to finish below 500, which is something like, and I remember there was a year where they were, they were lined at 81. And I was like, this is crazy. The Yankees are going to, like, they always win more games than they lose. And I, I, I rarely bet MLB futures, particularly back then. This was like seven, eight years ago. But I was like, I have to bet this. And of course, the Yankees cruised over because they always finish above 500. I think this year is the exception. At some point, it's got to stop. I, it sure looks like this Yankees team doesn't want to be there. Uh, I, I think they they know they've got a lame duck coach, this or a lame duck manager. This just feels like they're they're packing in the season. The last time they were under five hundred this late into the year, Derek Jeter was recalled from the minors. Uh, nine active New York Yankees were not even born yet, and Aaron Boone was in Double A. That manager. is insane, unbelievable. Uh, well, speaking of Derek Jeter, there's rumors. Uh, floating around New York sports radio the past couple of days. Now, AJ, you know how local sports radio is, right? Hosts tend to get, uh, in, you know, you put something out there, it go, and, and then all of a sudden, it's in the ether, right? Then everyone starts going with it. So the latest, and, and this is all the blogs picked it up, the news, everyone's picking it up now, right? That Brian Cashman, who is not, this season has not been good. He didn't do anything at the deadline. Um, he could be out the door, despite the fact that he's been one of the best general managers, if not the best. He's one of the best in all of baseball. Look at the championships, never had a losing season. Look at the success he's had, never lost. But there are rumors swirling, and they could be fake rumors, but rumors swirling that Brian Cashman could be on his way out. The rumors are that Derek Jeter, could have a role in the Yankees organization as a general manager or president of baseball operations. Um, And then Jeter would be the one making the calls on the roster. I'm going to put this out there now. That's a terrible idea. Okay. Uh, Derek Jeter is, I mean, I think of, I don't think I'm getting out of line to say that amongst living New York Yankees legends, he's the Mm -hmm. most beloved. Like, you're not going to find anyone to say, any Yankees fans, nobody's going to say anything bad about Derek Jeter. If he takes that job that is, he's never held a similar job before, it would be his, his first rodeo as, as a guy with roster control. Yeah, well, and when he, he was with the Marlins, he did a lot. He did a lot with the Marlins, but that was that was more about getting rid of players, like giving the Yankees John Carlos Stanton. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like, man, this is uh, this is something that could have some Yankees fans turn on him. The Yankees at some point might have to fire him. That's a tough thing to do. I think it's a bad idea. It's a, it's almost like um, it, it it's like letting your 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 ex have a key to your apartment. Like, I just don't. I think it it just doesn't end well. <laughs> Wait, you guys don't do that. Uh, <laughs> well, from from the bad to the good, and the good is the Dodgers. The Dodgers win again last night. Their tenth straight win, and they're now fourteen and one in the month of August. 
But it's not just it's not just this August, AJ. If you bet the Dodgers money line in every game in August over the last four years, you have gone seventy-eight and twenty. The Dodgers are fourteen and one in August this year. Last year they were twenty-two and six. In twenty twenty-one they were twenty-one and six. And in 2020, they were 21 and seven. It's pretty incredible. 78 and 20. That's 80%. Didn't even need McKenzie for that. 80% in the month of August over the last four years. So the question becomes, do you trust that trend on Lance Lynn day? Lance Lynn against Corbin Burns. Could you bet against a team that has won 10 straight games and is 14 and one this month? It feels hard to do. But then again, then again, Corbin Burns is a plus 120 underdog. Yeah. You're getting a good price on the Dodgers if you think that continues. They're only minus 140. Yeah. Uh, But, man, that's that's a tough bet to make with Lance Lynn on the hill. Short schedule here for Thursday. Uh, Seattle and KC will uh, finalize their series, wrap things up um, as uh, the two uh, teams. we, We had Seattle two days ago playing the system against Kansas City on a win. Yesterday, I played Seattle in the first five, and that cashed as they took the lead. They won the game last night. They're minus 242 today with George Kirby on the mound, Kansas City plus 195 on the comeback with Zerpa on the mound pitching for Kansas City. Yeah, you know I love George Kirby, So, uh, but boy, minus 242, that's a, that is a large number. Patrick Corbin's on the mound for the Nationals as they host the Red Sox. Chris Sale will start for the Red Sox, so a battle of lefties there in that one. The Boston Red Sox minus 190. Washington, you can get him plus 157 on the comeback. Uh, I think I'll continue to fade Patrick Corbin. It seems to be working this year. Probably a good call. The Mets are at the Cardinals. The Mets are minus 120. Talk me off the Mets here, Scott. I, I don't think I can. Jose Quintana on the mound for the Mets. Adam Wainwright for the Cardinals. Adam Wainwright is having one of the most embarrassing seasons for a veteran that I can never remember. You want a ZRA? Um, 8.78. Yeah. Total mm. in this game is total in this game is 10 and a half. I want I want to bet the Mets here. It's like getting getting the Mets at only minus 120. Like Adam Wainwright being an even money pitcher right now against I mean the Mets aren't a good team obviously, mm. but Boy, that that feels feels low. How about a Mets team total over? You know, just in case, you know, they'll score six runs. Maybe they'll lose seven six. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Detroit is at Cleveland. Tariq Skubal goes for the Tigers. Xavier Curry goes for Cleveland. Tigers are minus one twenty. And Zach Gowan on the mound for the Diamondbacks in San Diego against Rich Hill, who gets to start for the Padres. Uh, Gowan and the Diamondbacks minus one eighteen. Side note, did you see uh, Henderson Little League lost their first game in Williamsport I did. yesterday? I did. That kid that the, the who was Rhode Island or whoever it was was pitching, mm-hmm. that, kid, that kid can't be 12. He struck out like 15 guys. I know, just I know. Like, don't uh, guess. It's a freaking unit. And the thing, you know that the they had another no-hitter. Like, they, they like the, the Rhode Island team didn't get a hit. They scored three runs without a hit, and Henderson lost despite having the only two hits in the game. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's just a. Uh, Could you imagine throwing back to back no hitters and actually losing one of those games? Yeah, that's tough. But they the the there was a couple of pass balls and hit batters and walks that led to runs being scored for Rhode Island. So we'll see if Henderson can battle it out Saturday. They're in the losers bracket. Got to bounce back. The yeah. losers bracket's a hard thing to fight out yep. of. But, yep. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they can do it. Let's that's go. it for for those who I haven't mentioned. My that's the little league my my youngest son plays in. He's mm-hmm. a, a year a year younger, so obviously he's not in Williamsport. But uh, that, that's that's his league. So he's played with a lot of. He was on the eleven U All Star. So he's scrimmaged against a bunch of these kids, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a tough loss yesterday for for them. Yep. Well, hopefully they'll bounce back. At least get one win and just go from there. One win at a time uh speaking of wins you guys can head to pregame.com and jump on board any packages that we have available for football season we have nfl all access packages college football all access packages even combo nfl and college football packages from your favorite pregame pros you can take 20 percent off at pregame.com if you use our promo code super 20 
Super 20 is going to get you 20% off at pregame.com. We also have our Like Super Contest going on at pregame.com. It's free to enter. Just go to pregame.com, click on Contests, and find the Like Super Contest. Here's the rules. It's just like the Super Contest. You pick five NFL spreads per week. But the best part about it is, unlike the Westgate Super Contest, you don't have to make all your picks at once. You can pick a Thursday game. You can wait. Pick a you know the Sunday games. Wait. Take a Monday game. You get the best lines available because you can wait till those lines are available. And if you win this contest, you get your choice of fifteen hundred dollars cash or free entry into next year's Westgate Super Contest with free proxy service here in Vegas included in the deal. So it's free to enter and a chance that hey maybe next year. You're making an investment to try and win a boatload of money. For AJ, well, worst case, you just got 1500 bucks in your pocket. Exactly. Nice exactly. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Sattenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.